0: John chapter number 3, I want to begin, well there's really just one verse that I'm going to look at, but I'm actually not even going to look at all of the verse. There may be another time where I look at more into it, or the latter part of it. I want to look at the the first few words of this verse. It's a verse that we all know, that we're well acquainted with. It has become a verse that... Um, has really worked in my heart and life more than just being familiar with it and appreciating it and hearing it all my life and uh, uh, being the greatest verse in all the Bible, it's become a verse that uh, I have found that I cannot exhaust, that I can't say enough about. I don't know how many, the Lord's let me preach several messages out of this one verse and just seems like the more that I look into it, the more that I see. John chapter 3, verse number 16, if you found your place, I'd ask you, invite you to stand with us tonight as we read this great, great verse. To me, it is uh, personally, my personal opinion, it is the greatest verse in all of the Bible for many reasons, and I'll say a few things about that tonight as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Tonight I'm interested in the first 13 words of the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Lord, we do thank you tonight for the special singing, for the congregational singing, for all that's been done thus far. Lord, we thank you for the testimonies of your provision, your protection, just your grace and goodness toward us each day. Lord, I'm glad to be a child of the King tonight. I'm, I'm glad that I can stand here a saved man, a redeemed man, uh, a, one that is headed for eternity in heaven with you. Lord, I pray tonight that you would touch the heart of the saint. Lord, maybe refresh them, refresh maybe their love towards you, maybe their walk with you. Lord, I pray for the lost one that's here tonight, especially the lost one, that the Holy Ghost would come by, move upon their heart, show them their need Uh, of your love toward them in the person of your son. Lord, show them their need of your son, his blood, his redemption toward them. Lord, I'm glad that you love us tonight, a love that's greater than any other love. And I pray tonight that you'd help me to speak to the hearts of the people. I pray for the pastor as he travels, that you'd be with him and help him strengthen him as he stands to preach tonight. Lord, give us strength. Lord, to convey what you've put in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. John 3, 16, to tell the story of God's love, especially in regard to his love towards sinful men. It is perhaps best described outside of the Bible by the songwriter, Who said this? Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above, it would drain that ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. I would say that to describe the love of God, to give a definition of, by man's description, I would say that's a pretty good description of the love of God. I would say that uh, you couldn't go much better than that, but, Perhaps God Himself tells the story of His love best. When He said in the person of His Son, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And in so many words, that is 25 perfect words, who better fit to tell of God's own love than the object of His love, the very gift of His love Himself, His own Son. The one who would, with stretched out arms, nailed to a tree be the very display to the world and to the fallen race of mankind of the love of God. Now, when God decided to tell man how much he loves us, he had determined before time ever was that he would first show us. I believe it's in Deuteronomy. I know it's in Deuteronomy. I I believe it's in chapter 4. We find the very first time that God told a people that he loved them. And he told Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 4 through Moses, I believe it's chapter 4, that he loved them. But he waited all the way till Deuteronomy To tell his people, his chosen nation, that he loved them. Why was it that he waited till Deuteronomy chapter 4? Why not before then? Why not after Joseph? Why not after Jacob? Why not after Isaac? Why not after Abraham? Why not after Noah? Why did he wait till Deuteronomy chapter 4? To tell Israel that he loved them. I believe it's because he would first prove it. He would show through Abraham. He would show through Isaac. He would show through Jacob. He would show through Joseph. He would show through Egypt. He would show through the crossing in the Red, of the Red Sea. He would show in his provision in the wilderness... That he loved them. And then he'd tell it. Why is that? Because by proving his love first, they could not deny that God loved his people. But it wasn't until John 3.16 that God determined to tell all of mankind that he loved them. Why did God wait? till John 3:16 to tell mankind that he loved them because who better fit to tell mankind than his own son who would be the very gift of his love and he would first prove through the prophets he would first prove through the psalms he would first prove through his word, through the law, and then his son coming into the world. John said in chapter 1, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He would prove his love to all mankind, and then through his son he would show, he would tell it. Why is that? Because when his son would be nailed to a cross and the blood would flow down his broken body and the crown of thorns would pierce his brow, the world could look back in 2024 and would not still to this day 2,000 years later be able to deny that God so loved the world. There's only... One way to display his love, and no greater way. I believe it's as if before man, before God took that breath into Adam's nostrils, before God breathed in the first man, I believe God saw down through time to the cross. And it's as if God said before the foundation of the world, it's as if He said, There's no other way, there's only one way, then no greater way. Than sending my son to be in the likeness of men, to live among men as a man, to feel all that men feel in the flesh, yet without sin, and then to let him die a death of great suffering, the most extreme kind, so that the world can know that I believe God thought, so that the world can know that I want to save them from the eternal consequences of their sins. And God did just that. And now today the gift of salvation is presented to all men. And whosoever will receive God's love gift will be saved from the wrath that is to come. Will be delivered from the eternal punishment of their sins in the lake of fire and will be set free from the bondage and the guilt of their transgression. This verse is the great love story of God told himself and told in 25 perfect words. Now tonight, the first 13 words. I want to give you three things out of the first 13 words of John three sixteen. The first thing I want to look at tonight through these 13 words is the depth of his love. The second thing I want to look at through these 13 words is the height of his love. And then the third thing I want to look at in these first words tonight is the breadth or width of his love. Just how deep is the Father's love for you and me. Look at what Jesus said first to Nicodemus and to you and me tonight. For God so loved the world. Had those words read, God loved the world, it would be true. Had those words read, for God loved the world, It would be true but we find the words for and so for God so loved the world why did Jesus say it in this order because both words for and so are words of magnification and the word for comes before God so what is First, being magnified is God himself. Then secondly, what is being magnified using the word so is his love. And so God being on his throne is seated in the highest place. He is the highest person. He's in the highest position. He is seated in the highest place. Heaven, and he is the ruler of all things in the universe. And because God is this high and there's nothing higher, and because God is seated in the highest place, when he determined to reach, in, reach with his love, he could not reach any higher than he already is. He could not reach up to express how much he loved. When, my, when I, well, used to, now they're getting older and I'm looking forward to my fourth one doing this. But my first two did this. My third one did this. And I'm looking forward to the fourth one doing this. And I may have told this here before, but oftentimes when I got home from work, I'd, have, I'd hear the running of little feet when I walked into the utility room, into the back door. I'd hear the shuffling of little feet As a young man, with Silas, bless him. As a young man, I didn't really acknowledge that as much. But with the third one, as I got older, uh, I, I listened for that when I got home. And I knew what was coming. I'd hear the knob of the door begin to jingle. And then it would slowly turn open as she was on her tippy toes trying to turn it. And little Elizabeth would get the door open. And would say, Dad, 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 and would come running to me, reaching up. She would reach up because I am higher than her. But to express a love greater than she has for me, to express a love deeper than she could even understand being a little toddler, I reached down and would pick her up close to me. Well, that's the same God we serve tonight. He is so high that He couldn't reach up to express His love. But yet He wanted to express His love. He desired to express His love. And so the only way that our Heavenly Father could express His love is reaching down. The psalmist said in Psalm 113 verses 4 through 5, The Lord is high above all nations, and His glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high? I believe it was over 40 times in the Psalms you find the various psalmists referring to the right hand of the Lord. And in, in association with the right hand of God, we find His strength in the Psalms. We find His might and we find his power and no doubtably undoubtedly in the Old Testament that strength of his right hand that power of his right hand that might of his right hand is in reference to he who sits on his right hand that is his darling son and so when God determined that he was going to reach down he sent his son his right hand hand down and he came down he came way down he went past the galaxies and the universe and the planets and the Milky Way he went past all that he passed the angels who were glorifying him and magnifying him Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He went past all that and he went past the principalities and powers, the rulers of darkness, those fallen angels and Satan himself. He didn't redeem them and he went past them and he came down, 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 and he came down to where the lowest of all his creation dwelt. I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about me. I'm talking about sinful, wicked. Men. He came down to where we were. And he clothed himself in the flesh that we inhabit. Yet without sin. And he walked on this earth. And he walked among sinful men. And he watched how they felt. And he watched what they went through. And he watched what sin had done in their lives. And now he's seated back on the right hand of God the Father. But now he's doing something else. He's interceding on our behalf because he's touched with how we feel. How's he touched by how we feel? Because he's been around what we feel. He's been where we are. He knows what we go through. And I'm glad that when God's love when he was determined to express and to reach with his love that he reached way down. Talking about The depth of his love. What does this tell us of of the depth of his love? The psalmist said, David understood this. David understood the concept of how low and wretched he was. He understood that only by the mercy of God that he wasn't cast to the lowest hell. When he said this in Psalm 86... I'll praise Thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify Thy name forevermore. For great is Thy mercy toward me. Thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. And because God so loved you, and because God so loved me, His love reached to the lowest hell. By his son suffering the wrath of the lowest hell. When he cried from that abandonment cry on the cross. Eli, Eli. Yama Sabathani," That is to say my God. My God why hast thou forsaken me? And Christ suffered in your place. And in mine. As the direct result of God's love. For you and me that utter abandonment and the darkness on the cross this was the cup of wrath that was due to you and me in hell that he drank himself and by him by him drinking himself of that cup he showed to us how deep The Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That He would give His only Son. To make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turned His face away As wounds which mar the Chosen One Bring many sons to glory Behold man upon the cross My sin upon His shoulders Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sins that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life i know that it is finished i will not boast in anything no gifts no power no wisdom but i will boast in jesus christ his death and resurrection Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. The depth of his love. To come... To save the lowest of all his creation. For God so loved the world. Notice not only the depth of his love, but also the height of his love. Notice it with me in these next words. For God so loved the world, notice the height of his love, that, here it is, He gave His only begotten Son. Now, we've already, uh, we've already exhorted on this subject of His highness, how great He is. There's nothing higher than God. But Christ tells us in those next seven words the singularity of His love. I'm talking about the individuality of His love. What that means is there's nobody can love like God. Father, mother, sister, brother, spouse, child, Nobody on earth can love you like God loves you. It's individual. It's singular. It only belongs to Him. There's none can be compared to it. There's none can attain it. There's none can gain it. It only belongs to Him. It's a love as high as He is. Therefore Because it only belongs To him It exceeds any other love you'll find John said it like this In 1 John 4 We love him Because He first loved us Had he not loved us We would have never loved him I hear some say Oh I've just always loved God No you haven't You may have loved God the things that surround the things of God. You may have loved the atmosphere of church. You may have loved things associated to God. But the only way you can truly say that you really love God is if you have experienced His love for you. You see, He came to me with His love. I wasn't looking for God. I was on the run from God. I was in my sins. I was in my uh, own way, going my own direction, seeking my own, uh, my own things in life. But he came to me one day with his love. In this, type of, in this type of preaching, better than this preaching, but in this type of preaching, the preacher told me one day, he said, God loved me a sinner. God loved me. And I couldn't grasp that. I couldn't I couldn't grasp a hold of that, that God loved me. But He found me in the low condition I was in. He saw me exactly for what I was. No good had I done. No uh, sin had I done that could merit His favor. No sin that I had not done could have gained His favor toward me. No good that I could have done, could have merited his love. There was nothing in me deserving of him to come to me in the condition I was in. So why did he come to me? Why did he come to you? Why is maybe he coming to you tonight? Why did he even consider saving any of us? Simply because of what Paul said in Ephesians. Wherein in time past ye. Now listen. Wherein in time past ye. That's not talking to everybody. That's talking to you. Wherein in time past ye. Put your name there. Walked. That's the direction you were headed. That's where you's going. It's not just talking about a physical walk. It's talking about the direction of your life. Wherein in time past, I like that past there, past tense. He's talking to you that are say walk according to the course of this world. That was your direction, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's after the devil, who is your first, who is the father first of you, according to the prince power. There, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's crowd you was once affiliated with. Somebody used to say well. They used to say, well, Jeffrey got in with the wrong crowd. Jeffrey got in with the wrong crowd, nothing. Jeffrey was the wrong crowd. I was just as guilty as any of the rest of them. I was walking the same direction they was, among whom also we had, among whom, that is, that crowd. We all had our conversation, our, our, uh, our manner of speech, our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh. What does that mean? Meaning time past... You, all you thought about, talked about was the things of the world. All you thought about and talked about was uh, what you wanted, where the direction you was going, the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. All that you thought about was sinful things, pleasurable things to your flesh. That was your thoughts. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind were by nature the children of wrath. What's that mean? It means you couldn't help it. Means you're by nature, you are a sinner, each and every one of us. Children of wrath, even as others. But hang on. But God. See, you wasn't seeking him. There's nothing in that said you was after him. Nothing said you desired him. you was desiring the world. Nothing said you thought about him. Your mind was on your flesh and on the lust of your flesh. That's what the Bible teaches. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love. That's a high love above every other love. Wherewith he loved us. Oh, and this... Oh, this touches me. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you were saved. That means God came to where you was. That means God met you where you was. That means God loved you as you were and he took you in as a sinner and he wiped off the filth and he set you in a new direction. He set your life in a new course after Christ. The height of his love. The only explanation of a love like that can only be that he loves you and me Because it's who he is. John said in 1 John 4, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. You didn't choose one day to love God. The only way you can know his love is when you've experienced his love come and find you where you were in your sins. And then your sorrows at a sinner. And then at that moment God gave you the choice to receive His love. It's the free gift. It's the free gift offered to all men. All men. And cleanse you in His sight. So from the lips of the example of His love Himself, Jesus said before He ever went to the cross to Nicodemus, He gave His only begotten Son. It's no wonder when Nicodemus came to the cross. It's no wonder when Nicodemus came with Joseph to the cross that he found that even in its bloodied condition, even in its bones exposed, blood off his brow, swollen face from the thorns, no doubt, and from the blows, it's no wonder... Now think of this. Up to that point, Nicodemus is the only man ever heard John 3.16. It's no wonder when Nicodemus went up there with Joseph and, and laid down that cross, it's no wonder he desired his body. Because all Nicodemus could think about at that moment, I believe personally, was... He gave his only begotten son. All Nicodemus could think back to was the numbers in the wilderness. Whereas Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. All Nicodemus could think about was John, I believe, John 3:16 ringing in his head, ringing in his heart, and he found even his body in the bloody condition it was in to be precious because Nicodemus knew at that very moment that what Jesus had said way back yonder had come to pass and his love really was real and he really did love him. A sinner. Before you ever even took your first breath, before you was even in the womb of your mother, before you ever even came into the world, God already had the way made and ready to deliver you from the sinner he knew you'd be. There's no love that high because there's no love like his love. Not only the depth of his love and the height of his love, but lastly, we see the breadth of his love i got to read on just a little bit. For God so loved the world, the breath of His love, that He gave His only begotten Son, look at this now, that whosoever believeth in Him. That whosoever believeth in Him. We see God speaking generally, talking about the world. He loved every man. Every man that's ever took breath, he loved every one of them. And then we also see individually. That whosoever believeth in him. What's it mean? Uh, it, It means that I'm glad to know that God loves every man. I'm glad to know that God loves you. I'm glad to know that God loves people I don't even know. But I'm glad when I read this verse that I see that word whosoever in there because that word lets me know that me out of the billions of people on earth and you out of the billions of people on earth that God loves you just as much as he loves anybody else. How? He gave his only begotten son. How could one man die for billions of men? And be the substitute for all men. All I can say is because there's no other man like him. <laughs> but then to think of those billions of people. That he would single out you and me. We must think of how great the son of, listen. We must think to see this a little clearer. We must think of how Great the Son of God is, to see the breadth of his love clear. How great is his Son? Well, Paul said it like this in Colossians 1. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible whether they be thrones, that means all the nations, all the rulers of the nations, all the kings, whether it be thrones or dominions, that's on earth, that's in heaven, principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Sounds like the Son of God is held in high regard to his father. That all things and that God created everything that is, He decided that it would all glorify the Son. All God's glory is wrapped up in His Son. That's pretty vast. That's pretty big. Everything that is in existence is wrapped up. In his son. So those two verses alone describe the breadth or the vastness of the glory of the Son of God. Hang on. As great as all things in existence glorify him, all things above us, all things below us, all things around us, all things created for him and by him. You wouldn't exist if it wasn't for him. And yet as great and glorious as he is. As great and glorious as he is that all things are for him and by him. He wrapped up all of that glory in flesh. And he humbled himself to take all that glory and majesty. And be made in the likeness of sinful men. What does that say, preacher? What are you getting at about the breadth of his love? I'm getting there. Hang on. I'm talking first about the breadth of his glory. In Luke chapter 4. When Jesus came back from being tempted in the wilderness by the devil. He came back to Nazareth. And the Bible said he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. The Bible said, those in Nazareth said, after they heard his words, they said, is not this Jesus Joseph's son? Yet, they saw him in the flesh, yet they didn't see all the glory that was in him. That's taking all of that glory and putting it in flesh. What's that got to do with the greatness of His love? I'll tell you what it's got to do with it. God took that very glory and flesh and He nailed it to a tree. That all things in existence were nailed to a tree. That as as much as God thought of His Son to put all of the glory He had in His Son and yet He nailed it to a tree. But it don't stop there. He nailed it to the tree. He nailed him to the tree. For you and for me. Say preacher what's that say about his love. About the breadth of his love. It tells me. That the greatness of his love must be for us. Must be greater than the glory he had for his son. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. But he must love us. More than he loves his glory. Isaiah said, He hath no form nor comeliness when he was on the earth. That's the Lord Jesus. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. That's outwardly. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And he was despised and we esteemed him not all the glory and the grandeur of God was wrapped up in the flesh of a man. And when they nailed Him to the cross, they didn't even realize that God was giving all of His love for you and for me. Tells us His love to God. His love for us is greater than His glory. and When God gave Him to the cross in your place, He wasn't just giving his son. He was. I hope you understand what I'm fixing to say. Which that's. The greatest thing. He He was giving everything. To the cross. He was giving the best he had. It's no wonder Peter said. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee. Talking about. The salvation he had. Listen tonight. I'm done with this. There's nothing else. And if you're looking for something else for God to do. If you're looking for a cross to form in the stars. If you're looking for some lightning bolt to come flying out of heaven. If you're looking for an angel to speak to you in a vision or in a dream. There is nothing else God can do. Or would do or has to do. Than what he's already done. Christ cried in his final moments on the cross. It is finished. And with those words I believe God stood on the balcony of heaven. I believe the angels stood in admiration. Of this plan of redemption being accomplished. Which they the angels could not understand. Yet we sinners, we wretched race of Adam, we know the peace, the joy, and the hope that comes with this redemption. And we know the joy that floods our souls when we read those words. For God so loved the world. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Brother Matthew, is it okay if we give an invitation? If I could ask a sister to come to the piano, Sister Townsend, she's coming. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I'll let you stand tonight. As I've tried to my best and failed so miserably, so miserably, to present to you tonight just a little piece of the love of God. Child of God, maybe you needed to hear again. Maybe you needed to hear it one more time. You're saved, but... You needed to hear just how much God loves you. Because I'm going to tell you, these things that come into my life and your life as well. And there's times I need to hear somebody else stand and say to me, God loves you. There's times I fail the Lord and I come short miserably. I'm talking about I just fail Him, flat out fail Him. And I need to hear the Holy Ghost come to me and say remember he loves you but there may be one here tonight you're lost you've never experienced the love of God your life right now is currently in Ephesians chapter 2 you are living according you're walking according to the course of this world you're following your own desires you're living in sin you're you're heaping up to your flesh You may be in the house of God tonight and it may not be accident. It's no accident, but it may have been a long time since you've darkened the church doors. But God's brought you here tonight to hear one more time. I love you. I want you. I want to save you. I gave my son for you. You can come to him tonight if you're lost. I believe, I really believe this. I believe the Holy Ghost is dealing with somebody. I believe it's a Wednesday night. I was saved on a Thursday night. Don't matter what night it is. God's the creator of every day of the week. And God may have chose tonight to come to you where you are and to speak to your heart that you're lost. You need Him. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you joy. He wants to give you eternal life. But listen to me. He wants to love you like nobody else can. That's my God tonight. Do you need to come? There's some around the altar. Child of God, maybe you need to come. I'm not just trying to linger a little while. Give the Holy Ghost time to deal and to speak tonight. I want my children to know. That I am what I am only because the grace of God. I want them to know his grace and goodness as well. Brother Matthew, I'll let you come.